Adventure Podcast. This podcast is about helping listeners learn from and meditate on our sermons from anywhere at any time. Thanks for joining us, and let's get started. This episode is from the Rethinking My Life series, and it is called Rethinking How I Think About Pain. Hey, adventure. Good to see you again. If you're going, hey, I think he taught in those same clothes last week. It's true. I did. Um, and this actually reflects my current situation more than you'll ever understand. I'm probably still wearing the same clothes I wore last week doing this, too. But I want to jump in. I want to get back and look in here. We're talking about rethinking how I think about different things. If I'm going to change my life, I have to rethink some things. The primary thing being how I think. So I need to rethink how I think about certain things. And so we've looked at several big issues in life. How I think about myself, you know, how I, how I think about God, um, how I think about sin and, and last week, how, or whatever it was a few weeks ago, how I think about temptation and so forth. And I believe last week we looked at, um, how we think about, uh, discouragement. And so, I want to talk to you right now about pain because pain gets our attention. And there are a lot of you that are out there living with chronic pain. Um, and it's caused you some troubles. But let's talk about how to think about pain and how to respond about pain. One of the most perplexing questions that people ask is, why is there pain in the world? I mean, why does a good God allow pain? And it's not a new question. 3,000 years ago, Solomon was asking the same question. Watch this verse, Ecclesiastes 2. So what do people get in this life for all their hard work and anxiety? He's kind of throwing his hands in the air. All right. Now, underline this all of, uh, well, underline this first half of verse 23. Their days of labor are filled with what? Pain. You can circle that word and grief. Even at night, their minds cannot rest. It's all meaningless. So just for reference, if you're ever talking to someone and they're going to jump off of a bridge and they want you to read a Bible verse, never go into Job or Ecclesiastes. Skip both of those or you'll both be jumping off of that bridge. It is a depressing book. I mean, you look at this. This is kind of like someone's been reading your diary, isn't it? So there's a study that's called uh, dolorimetry. And it's a medical test that scientists use to measure pain, the thresholds of pain. And it's one through 10 and anything from 10.5 or above 10 is considered just off the charts. And you're probably unconscious at that point. But they've tried to set up a way that pain can be at least somehow quantified for people, though, honestly, you know, I mean, when my wife was giving birth, she looked about here and I felt about here. Um, so, I mean, it, pain is very relative in a lot of ways. And, and we understand that it can be very subjective. Some people can't handle pain at all, no matter what. Even little bits of pain that some of the rest of us would trade our current pain for just makes them crazy. They can't handle it, especially if it doesn't serve a purpose. Others can handle incredible amounts of pain as long as it serves 
of purpose. If it's a pointless pain, like maybe having a pebble stuck in your shoe, I mean, it makes us all crazy. But if it serves a purpose, well, so I've heard many a mom say how horrible childbirth was, but then talk about she would go back and, and do it again and then follow it up with, well, it wasn't really all that bad. You know, I would do it again. I'm just going to tell you, as someone who was present for three of those and pretty much sat in a fetal position in the corner by myself, I don't know how you can forget childbirth because I'm traumatized. I, I can't forget it. So let's go back to pain then. So as God's people, where should we put the focus of our thoughts when it comes to pain, when we're in pain? So Romans chapter eight, key verse for God's people when they suffer. We know that God causes how much? Everything, everything to work together for the good of those. Now, I want you to notice something. A lot of people want to make it stop. We know that everything works together for the good. That's not true. That's false advertising. That's actually a lie. So we've been watching the NBC show Manifest. And that's like a verse they keep coming back to to explain all the bad things that are happening. Everything works for the good. That's not what the verse says. The verse does not end there. It puts two caveats on. And if you don't meet these caveats, basically everything is not working for your good. And eventually the universe will manage to kill you. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who, one, love God, and two, are called according to his purpose, his purpose. So there's a qualifier on it. If you don't meet that, well, you got to realize this promise is not a promise for everyone. If you don't love God, if you're not called according to his purpose, I mean, maybe you love him, but you choose not to be called according to his purpose. This verse isn't for you. And sadly, most people who are in pain are wasting their pain because they don't love God and they don't care about his calling for their life. So you understand how important it is to be obedient to God for when the pain does come into your life. That's the only way you're ever going to benefit from it. See, God, well, I've had people say, well, why does God make me have pain in my life? God doesn't necessarily create the pain in your life. Um, there is plenty of pain already in the world. There's plenty of it out there. But what God, what God wants to do is he wants to take the pain that is in your life, the pain that's there because the universe is imperfect, because sin came into the world and corrupted things, you know, thousands of years ago. God wants to take the pain you're experiencing from that fall and he wants to use it for good. But too many of us, we don't want to use it for good. We simply want to blame God for it. Watch from Galatians 3. Have you experienced, Paul's getting on these people saying you're wasting your pain. Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? In other words, Paul's saying, have you people just decided you're going to waste all the pain in your life? So 2015 and 2016 were rough years at our house. And they were rough on me. They were especially rough on my poor dear wife who had to help me through all of that stuff. I was weeks in and out of the hospital. Um, I had multiple hand surgeries. I've got all the scars to show for it. Multiple hand surgeries. I had 
heart catheterization, two separate events. Um, apparently I learned later I had a heart attack at some point. I had back surgery. I couldn't walk. I couldn't go to the bathroom by myself. I was in continuous pain. My body became addicted to the pain meds and I saw my mobility. I saw my freedom. I saw, honestly, I saw anything worth living for coming to an end in my life. So my pain was both emotional and physical. And in that time, I was told God I didn't want to waste it. And basically, I learned some things about pain that I want to share with you today that I hope help you with pain. All right. So number one, God allows pain to draw me closer to him. I mean, that's the first thing. So the Apostle Paul had um, had had some kind of physical problem that plagued him endlessly. And we don't know what it was that he had. Anybody who tells you what it was is just making it up. So just understand that. All right. It's pointless speculation. But here's what Paul said about it in your notes. Second Corinthians 12, three different times. I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness. Why? So that the power of Christ could work through me. So he's chosen to not waste his pain. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults and hardships, persecutions and trouble that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So rather than rejecting the pain, rather than getting angry at God, rather than running away from God, Paul made a choice to lean into the pain, to embrace the pain, and to trust God. Man, I laid in my bed and I argued with God on a daily basis, several times a day. I was broken physically. I was broken emotionally. Um, I was broken spiritually. And in the last week before I finally was able to have my back surgery, and I just told God, look, this would probably be easier if you just killed me. Just go ahead and kill me. Let my family be free from this burden. Get me out of pain and the church can move on and so forth. And I had my Bible out and my little Bible marker fell out. My little place ribbon. It's a little like a piece of cloth that's hooked to my Bible and I mark pages with it. It fell out. And it was at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And here are the words that were marked in that Bible. 2 Corinthians 1. Is this the right one? Oh, this is not the right one. Never mind. We'll come back to that one in a minute. I don't know why I have that marked. All right. Here, 2 Corinthians 1. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. C.S. Lewis once said, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pain, it is his megaphone 
to rouse a deaf world. You know, millions of people have come to know Christ through the megaphone of pain. And it calls us to be, it calls us to, to think differently. It calls us to be transformed by that pain. It, it calls us to take that fear and change it into worship. It calls us to take that panic and turn it into trust. It, it, it causes us to draw closer to God at a time when we want to push away from everything. I'll tell you, looking back at 2015 and 2016, I would not wish any of it on most anybody. There could be a couple politicians, I'm not going to lie. But I wouldn't wish that on most anybody. And I also wouldn't trade it away. It was a growing period for me. That pain was ultimately a good experience for me. You know, the Apostle Paul at one point, uh, had trouble with the church at Corinth. They were a bunch of babies. They were always fighting. They were always in trouble. Uh, every time Paul writes the Corinthians, it's like a, it's like a written spanking to them. They just could not get it together. But the apostle Paul had written what was apparently a pretty hurtful letter to the church at Corinth, at least from their perspective. And it caused them a lot of emotional anguish, but it woke them up. And I like, here's Paul's follow up to it. Paul said, I'm not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first. Even Paul second guessed himself just a little bit. Should I really have said that that way? For I know it was circle these as you're reading there. It was painful to you for a little while. Now I'm glad I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. Listen, don't waste your pain. Let your pain cause you to repent and to change your ways and to lean into God at those moments where you're suffering. Let it drive, let your pain drive you toward God. Number two, God allows pain to draw me closer to others. You know, when you suffer, you suddenly become sensitized to suffering, especially the same kind of suffering that you went through. Um, as many of you know, I have a strong ministry with people who um, suffer from depression or struggling with depression. I have a strong ministry among people who have who are struggling with pain. I have a strong ministry among people who become addicted to pain meds. Um, we're supposed to share with each other in those things, how we got through, what we did. We were called to allow this to drive us closer to each other. In your notes, Galatians 6.2, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. So few things will bond us together like pain. Now I want to jump to this third one. God allows pain to help me grow to be more like Christ. So the Bible says clearly that um, the evidence that a person has the Holy Spirit isn't if they speak in tongues or any other miraculous thing. The, the evidence that shows a person has the Spirit of Christ, has the Holy Spirit, comes down to what is the fruit that's growing in their life. What is that fruit? Look at Galatians chapter 5. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what? 
self-control. These are the things that happen in your life when you have the Holy Spirit living through you. So how does God build these qualities in your life? He teaches you love by putting you around people who are unlovable. He teaches you joy by placing you around grief. He teaches you patience by putting you in situations where you have to wait. He teaches every one of these qualities to you by putting you in a situation where you are tempted to not be self-controlled. He's taking us and he's putting us in these things that cause us to change, to think of things differently, to do things in a new way. See, pain is an opportunity to grow in character like Christ, but it's a choice. When you're in pain, you either become better or you become bitter. You're, you're not going to be the same. You're going to become a better person or you're, you're going to become a bitter person. Pain can be a stepping stone to maturity or it can be a stumbling block and throw you back into immaturity. It, it, immaturity. it is not automatic. There's a choice you make. There's a choice I make. There's a choice that we're going to make. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 30. Sometimes it takes a painful, there you go, there's the word again, experience to make us change our ways. Again, it makes us repent of our ways. We talk about repentance is a decision. I'm going to do things differently. I'm going to head a different direction. So if God's going to make you like Jesus, he's going to put you in some of the kind of situations that Jesus was in. If he didn't spare Jesus from any suffering, and scripture tells us he didn't, and from what we can observe, he clearly didn't preserve him. He's also going to allow us to go through those things because he wants us to develop our character the same way. Look at Hebrews chapter 5. But even though he was God's son... He learned through his sufferings to be obedient. In other words, what he's saying is Jesus was fully identifying with the human experience, experiencing absolutely everything that we experience. Now, this next phrase is interesting to me. When he was made perfect. So Jesus wasn't perfected until he had experienced the very things that we are challenged by. And when he experienced them and remained sinless, it says he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. Suffering made Jesus complete. It perfected him. And there are some things you're only going to learn through pain. You're not going to learn them any other way. And God wants to build the character of Christ into your life. And to do that, you're going to have to have pain. All right. Number four, God allows pain to remind me. It's important. It's not about me. You weren't put on this earth to live a self-centered life. What pain does, pain reminds me to be sensitive to the people who are around me, because I don't always know what kind of pain they're dealing with. I guarantee you, everybody around you today is in some form of pain. 
That's why we need to be careful around each other. That's why we need to be generous around each other. That's why we need to be tolerant around each other. That's why we need to not ever take offense because people who are in pain hurt people, right? Hurt people, hurt people. We need to be sensitive to that and not do what the world does and you made me feel uncomfortable or whatever. We need to not take offense at that. You see, pain reminds me that I've got choices. There's a phrase that I love. It's the phrase redemptive pain. Redemptive pain. Circle that word redemptive in your notes. Redemptive pain is the highest use of pain. So we're talking about don't waste your pain. Redemptive pain is the highest use of pain. I redirect my focus from my pain to the pain of who? To the pain of others. I mean, as I said earlier, pain sensitizes us. If you've struggled with depression, you, you're, you're sensitive to other people who are depressed. If you struggle with physical pain, like back pain, you're sensitive to the people who are struggling with back pain. If you've gone through the pain of a divorce or the pain of losing a child, you're sensitive to people who are having those experiences. See, it doesn't matter what pain you've gone through. Jesus wants you to redeem your suffering. He doesn't want you to waste it. He wants you to become better, not bitter. He wants you to use it. He wants you to help other people in the same struggle. Second Corinthians chapter one in your notes, all praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful father and the source of all comfort. He Watch this. He comforts us in all of our troubles. Why? Going to underline to the period. You ready? Why? So that we can comfort others. When God comforts you, his intent is for you to use the comfort he gave you to comfort others in the same way. Let's go on in the verse. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. See, love Real love isn't trying to comfort someone who's suffering. Real love is bringing informed comfort to someone who is suffering. I mean, who is better to, or who's better qualified to help a struggling veteran than a veteran who has struggled? Who's better qualified to help somebody recover from an opioid addiction than someone who has recovered from an opioid uh, addiction? Who, who's better, who's better qualified to help someone who's been molested than someone who is a survivor of molestation? Who's better qualified to help one who is someone who is struggling with a special needs child than the parent of a special needs child who is absolutely rocking parenthood? Don't waste your pain. Don't waste your hurt. Let God use it. Your greatest ministry will always come out of your pain. All right. Number five, God allows pain to develop my testimony to the world. That's big. We think the world's impressed by how much we enjoy perfection and prosperity. Now, what actually impresses people is not how we handle the good stuff. What impresses people is how we handle the bad stuff, how we handle the painful stuff, how we handle adversity. The apostle Paul was a pro at this. Um, he was a pro at using his pain as a witness. He said, you know what? I'm not just going to use it to grow close to God, but I'm going to use my pain to 
minister to other people. I'm going to use my pain as my testimony. I'm going to show people what God has done. Everyone was aware of all that Paul had been through. They understood his suffering. Watch this from Philippians 1. I want you to know, my dear friends, that the things that have happened to me, these are all these horrible things, he's done a big list here, have really helped the progress of the gospel. He's writing that from a dungeon in Rome, in a Roman prison, prison while chained to a Roman guard. And he says, ah, this is actually working out pretty well. I've got the empire right where I wanted them. See, Paul, so had he not been chained up in prison, he would have never written most of the New Testament. He'd have never shared with us wisdom about suffering. But God entrusted him the time in prison, the pain in prison. God entrusted it to him so that he could use it for good. And you and I today, we're actually reading the result of that several times here. Second Corinthians chapter six. Now I want you to watch Paul goes through and he actually lays this out what he's been through in everything we do. We show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. And the, you know, there's always those people are in the crowd who are going, Oh yeah, I've endured a lot of calamities too. So Paul runs the checklist. All right. I, I love this. We have been beaten. Check. We have been put in prison. Check. We have faced angry mobs. Check. We have worked to exhaustion. Check. We have endured sleepless nights. Check. And gone without food. Check. We prove ourselves by our purity, by our, sta- our standing, our patience. All those things should have been producing anger and hatred and bitterness, right? But they didn't. What did they produce in them? Purity, patience, kindness, which we talked about in the fruit of the Spirit, come from the Holy Spirit and by our sincere love. Man, I love that. Even in pain, Paul goes, let's not waste it. I'm not going to waste my pain. You know, anybody can handle good times. I've had people come in and go, man, literally, they just come in and go, I want to just, can I have two minutes today? I just want to tell what great thing the Lord has done in my life. And I frequently stop them. I mean, you notice that we're, we're, we limit who gets in front of people because we know people. And what I tell them is, I'll tell you what, when the balance to this good thing right now has come in and you've experienced the downside, then let's talk about what God's doing in your life. Let's look at these other things because it doesn't take God's power to handle good things. It takes God's power to patiently endure a bad experience. And the apostle Paul says, in everything we do, we try to show that we're true servants of God. We patiently endure suffering. Why? Because we're witnesses. We are giving a testimony of God in our lives through the bad things that we've endured. You say, I don't have a testimony. What am I supposed to do? You ever been through bankruptcy? Then you have a financial testimony. Have you ever had a marriage conflict? Then you have a marriage testimony. Have you ever had a rebellious child? Then you have a rebellious child parenting testimony. Have you ever had a sick child? Then you have a sick child testimony. Have you ever had a heart attack or something like that? Then you've got a physical testimony. Have you ever been an addict? Then you've got that testimony. Have you ever been in jail? Then you've got that testimony. Listen, don't waste your pain. 
Don't waste your pain. There are people all around you who need for you to share the story of your pain. They are now going through what you've already been through and they need the hope that they're going to survive it. And your pain is only wasted. It's only an expense. If you don't invest it, invest it in yourself, changing you and in helping change others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you strangely today for pain. And we thank you that it's not the dark, hateful thing we've always thought, even though sometimes Satan may mean it to us that way. You mean it to us for good and you've given us a hope and a future and you've told us you, you, you have that plan for us. But you've still told us that it's our choice what the pain gets used for. Does the pain destroy us or does the pain launch us into a new way of life, a better way of life? Does the pain depress us or does the pain lift us up and allow us to lift up others? Father, we thank you for an opportunity to talk about pain. Lord, when pain comes to us, may we turn to you. May we see what you have in mind. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.